0: My goal is to educate and inspire, and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 59 of A Sober Girls Guide podcast. Today I have the head rock star, the man himself. The head honcho of Rock to Recovery, Wes Gear, is here. He is in the building, man. And I am so excited to talk to him. We talk about everything from his recovery journey, how Rucked recovery came to be, and I have to say, I was really shocked and really just amazed at Wes and just his whole his whole mindset and enlightenment. That's the word. Just straight up enlightened. This episode is Your gold, so let's get ready to rock. Let's go. Oh, Wesley Gear is here. He is. (laughs) I am so stoked to talk to you. Are you
1: really? Or do you say that?
0: I really am. I really am. (laughs) We we were supposed to talk last week, and then I'm like, oh no, this is my bad. I really want to talk to him because I've just been seeing. I've been inundated by awesome Facebook posts and just pictures from your amazing events. And it just totally FOMO. Like oh, totally good. FOMO. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's it why is, we have in a good way. event. Yeah. We have events yeah. so we can put people in pain for those who don't attend. That's really the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like wish you were here. That's yeah. Totally. You should be. <laughs>
1: it's totally sadistic. That's how we roll. <laughs>
0: Well, before we get into that aspect of your life, I wanted to back Mm -hmm. it up, and I wanted to talk about Wes, and I wanted to talk about how, you know, you got into recovery, what that looked like, you know, I know you were fantastic, you still are a fantastic guitar player, and you've worked with so many great bands, how has that shaped your future and gotten you to today?
1: Well, let's see. The first thing you said uh, was how I made my way into recovery. Um, Yeah. My my story there. um, Let me see. So I was just a kid who moved a lot and felt like I didn't fit in. You hear that a lot. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand this concept that you could just be nice to people and make friends. I I always had this Mm. like kind of feeling that you had to do something or be special. And when I did later work on it with deeper therapies and the landmark form, I found out it was like my winning formula was because I felt inferior. I tried extra hard and, and really it pushed a lot of people away, you know? Um, yeah. But anywho, who, uh, yeah. So it was kind of just a lot of not feeling comfortable in my own skin type of thing. And, um, when I would move, like I, I think it was high school. I moved yet again, and then and then some, I, I met some kid, and he, he was like my only friend. He's like, you know, let's steal some Jack Daniels, and I didn't wasn't that mm. where I want to get drunk? It was just like, okay, sure, yeah. let's do that, you know, just and, to steal uh, shit. Yeah, well, of course, I drink it, and then I got drunk it in, in like twenty minutes, and I drank a. Uh, what is it? Uh, pint. It had to be home, and, which was a stupid game plan because, of course, now I'm, it's hitting me right as I'm walking in the door and I'm just <laughs> obliterated. And so it was a lifetime of that I'm like trying to connect with people through drugs and alcohol. I, I would move a lot. And then, um, you know, when I got to the new school, I, I just latch onto the stoners, you know, in the yeah. back by the bleachers. And, but what I noticed is for me is, as soon as I started smoking weed, I smoked weed all day, every day, which sounds insane to me now. Back then, it didn't. Um yeah. And, you know, there's all this talk about what is an alcoholic, what isn't, and is it yeah. drugs, is it alcohol? I smoked weed alcoholically from pretty much the time I started smoking. Once I got it going, meaning, like, I would smoke by myself before I went to school, and then i ditched ditch school and smoke some. And then after school, i smoked smoke it. I was just smoking weed all the time, which now, in hindsight, showed me that, like, I was, you know, just kind of like a person who drinks all the time. I always had to be loaded. And um, that behavior carried on. And, you know, like a lot of us, even at a young age, I was trying to curtail my drinking and using, and I would quit weed for a month here or there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably a symptom of, uh, you know, most people who don't have a problem, they don't try to quit. But here I am at 18, trying to quit weed here and quit smoking cigarettes there and cut down. I remember we were drinking non alcoholic beer at a young age, but wow. yeah, like, you know, we'll, well, we won't, we'll just drink non-alcoholic beer and then, then we could drink and we won't be so drunk. And, um,
0: okay. But
1: then, but then I had a stepbrother who, uh, he had a lot of drugs and I would do a lot of drugs with him at lunch, like not wanting to, but he's like, here, take these mushrooms or here, smoke this cocaine on your, on your marijuana and go to drafting class. I mean, he wasn't forcing me, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So I had this other gear, but anyhow, fast forward. It's a, it's a progressive disease. It got more and more and more. And, um, all the while I'm trying to control it. Like many alcoholics and drug addicts, all the the whole story as we look back is, is us trying to control it and enjoy it at the same time, which the two don't usually coexist. Um, no,
0: they don't, right?
1: They don't. And I, and I had a bunch of crappy bands and I came home, actually, I mean they were crappy if you listen to records, but we would sell out the Troubadour or whatever. We were cool for kids, but uh Oh wow Um you know, whatever, but if you listen now you'd be like, Yeah, that is crappy. But but for a bunch <laughs> of young kids to sell out a club in LA it was pretty cool. But um Um I was just down to drinking really heavily and I came home, I had to go to rehearsal and I walked into my roommates and they were snorting something and of course being drunk, I was like, Give me some of that and and they mm-hmm. told me it was heroin. And I was like, I, I didn't care. there's like, sure, let me try that. And then it ended up being meth. And uh, the meth, of course, I went from being shit-faced drunk, like too drunk, to make it to rehearsal. And I was the leader of this band. This band was called Head, which turned into Head P.E. Uh, for legal okay. reasons. But anyhow... Um, and I went to rehearsal and I was wide awake and I wrote two songs on the way to rehearsal. I had my buddy drive and then I rolled in and was like, here, you guys play this and play that. And then two songs, they're like, those songs are great. And I'm like, yeah. And then I was thinking, wow, this mess stuff's great. So that became right. my muse. Um, and then right when I got into meth, I was, uh, the you know, the band started getting really successful and, and getting in magazines and selling out clubs and all the cool kids in town, like Fly sunglasses were giving us clothes and like I said, putting us an ad. So you couldn't tell me I had a problem with what I'm getting at. And uh, right, I got, right, right. We, got, we got a record deal. Um, wow. You know, during that time period. And, you know, so we always talk about, listen to the similarities, not the differences. Well, there's that student who snorts Adderall or the person who slams dope to get through life or the, the stay at home mom who has to have her wine to handle the stress of that life and the children. And for a while it worked, but you know, so I got the record deal, but I was also dying. I was 123 pounds. My teeth are chipping out of my head. I did create some cool art in that period. Um, but you know, it was a scary time. My bandmates thought I was going to die. And, and, uh, and again, I went back to trying to control it. So I got off the meth after a few years of heavy, like daily meth tweaker use. Somehow I didn't, didn't lose all my marbles and uh then i just drank more and uh anyhow that band we toured that band got the record deal we put, put out a few records we toured the world for uh you know better part of a decade
0: wow. and then kind of,
1: the band imploded pretty much um and i bailed on i quit the band and then it wasn't too long after that i got a job with my brother and i was crushed and demoralized like because i didn't realize how much i identified with being uh uh you know a Band guy, uh, recording artist in that oh, be my life. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I could imagine that it would be anything. If you're a doctor, now you're not a doctor, or or what? Veterans, because we work with veterans all the time. What veterans go through? They're yeah. like, hey, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this job, what I was trained to do, and then you can't. And you're like, well, who the fuck am I?
0: Exactly. You know, and, exactly. And I,
1: I think athletes and everybody, a lot of people go through that. So I went through that and I was working with my brother and he gave me you know, a great job, certainly based on my lack of skill and a great paycheck, but I hated it. I just was like, this is a waste of who I was. And I was depressed. And then so, you know, he has a sales rep firm for pro audio lines, like Shure Microphone, the number one selling mic in the world. Okay, He's the sales rep for SoCal, So. But they do such the line. He's such a great businessman and a smart, loving guy. But the yeah. lines he has are so massive in the regions he has; it's extremely lucrative. And I underline yeah. that several times. So it was a great opportunity for me there, but I wasn't right. in a good way. Um And so you know, at the like I said, at the end of the drinking with the band, I was kind of not doing the drugs so much. But this now when I was working with my brother, I went back to the drugs because what we learn in, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, it's, it's, uh, using the drugs is how we treat really our symptoms of not being right, feeling right, living right. So that was my medicine. That was my solution. So I went back to meth and now I picked up heroin and it was ugly going to a day job on meth and heroin. Oof. Um, but I didn't know I was doing it cause I was depressed. I didn't know, you know, I just fell in this rut again and I could not get out. So I went into treatment and, uh, it was a it was a twelve step place and they they gave me the the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and that and I heard my story in there you know
0: yeah
1: and um and so I said what the heck I tried those twelve steps and I heard people share their stories on um you know I was a junkie eating out of trash cans and I did this program and now I have my own you know advertising agency and I was like what oh man and I heard a woman share I was a prostitute. Uh, turning tricks in the park, sleeping in the park. And then I did, you know, 12 steps and I got my law degree and I met the man of my dreams. I have a family, my own, you know, law, uh whatever, firm. Right. What? What? Whoa. Okay, I'll try that. And uh, I yeah. tried it. And um, I hated how I felt newly sober. Um, I yeah. really realized how much of an alcoholic I was, even though I, you know, I thought my problem was really the drugs. But really I was just an alcoholic who – turned into a druggy, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, cause when I didn't, when I didn't do the drugs, I certainly drank pretty darn heavy. Uh, but I wasn't your right. typical wake up, shaken, drink in the morning guy. I was, I was a binger. Um, but anyhow, so because I hated how I felt, um, in my life and the shame and the guilt and like, you know, my mom years before had cancer and I was barely there. I was real tight. I'm really tight. My mom, she's still alive. Thank God. But I was barely there for her when she was in the hospital fighting breast cancer. And like, you know, I had, you know, cheat on girlfriends and just, you know, the stuff that drug addicts and alcoholics do, we just are a tornado that destroys so many lives and hurts so many people. So being sober without my medicine, which is getting loaded and having to sit with myself and the shame and the guilt and destroying my credit and my career and being lost in life that was a miserable place to be, especially now I can't hang out with my loady friends cause I'm not, I'm going to go back to getting loaded. If I do that, that's a, that's a pretty much a no brainer. Yeah. So you have this giant void in your life. So I jumped into the fellowship and doing step work cause it was the only, I, I didn't know if it was going to work. I heard people say it was going to work and uh, I had nothing else to lose. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, Yeah. if you tell me this work for you and and sure enough, I mean, my life started uh, unfolding. Things started getting better, and um, I mean, as silly as this sounds, it was—it's true though. Cloudy days seemed brighter. Like I remember the oh. first time I was a couple, few months sober, and it was a cloudy day. I was like, "Wow, how, look how beautiful those clouds are!" I was like, yeah, "It had been a long time since I felt that way about anything." And yeah. what I learned was I had to really get in and you know do a personal inventory get into my garage if you will and throw get rid of all that junk the, all the trauma and the drama and the resentments and the hurt and when i did that it really gave me like a spiritual experience and so you know mm-hmm. for anybody listening who's like i don't know about spirituality what is that what's god anyhow i will tell <laughs> you what helps me is it's 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 is as much science and spirituality they're the same i mean it they go hand in hand they they don't argue against each other really the, the reality is I'm an energetic being. If I'm in a bad mood, I have a dark energy. Anybody who's even not into spirituality would say, yeah, yeah, totally. You could walk in a room and feel a bad vibe. Right. What is that? What is it when you feel in your gut this is something you shouldn't do? What is it when you feel remorse? Those are all energies. Right. Shame and guilt is an energy. Happiness is an energy. People talk talk about it. Even, like I said, people who maybe aren't in the spirituality or God, if you said, like, Do you feel like you're in good vibes, like high vibration? Yeah, I do. Okay. Do you ever feel like you're in low, dark vibes? Yeah, sure. So doing these processes of the 12 steps and getting a therapist and just digging into myself and doing work like prayer and meditation and all this stuff. I started getting rid of the darker frequencies, the darker energies. And then I cleaned up my past and I cleaned up my credit and I made the amends with the people. And then, then what starts happening is I start vibing on a lot brighter frequency, you know, more often. Mm. And then that becomes the new high, you know, and then, and then you watch like, wow, there's no more drama in my life. I'm not in fights right. already, but I'm meeting cool people. Wow. Um, so yes. yeah. So then. Um, all this weird stuff started happening. I was, I was sober a couple years and, uh, miserable in my job. Like I just knew I didn't belong there, but I have barely an education. Um, so how was I going to leave a job that paid me well when I have no education and nowhere to go? So I just got right. really into, uh, actually I was like, what are shockers? I've been meditating a little bit. I want to learn about shockers. I just was interested in stuff. Like, I didn't know if I was going to believe or not. And right when I put that out to the universe, I met this girl who's like a medium and a healer, and and uh, we actually met on a dating site. No. We meet as soon as I meet her, she hands me a book on chakras, walking in the door. Here, you should read read check this book out. No pressure. I'm like, no, I'm not even kidding. This is the kind of stuff that when we tune in, we get what I call into like vortex a vortex of radness yeah you know, we had all the serendipity all the magical stuff happens when i was out there using everything i touched turned to shit like every you know if i got my car i would get pulled over it's like how come i have such bad luck well yeah when i get sober all these weird you know we call them god shots or serendipity or whatever you want to call it um you know it's too it, you know is it odd or is it god whatever you want to say but so she hands me this book and it was all on chakras and the human energy field and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was just delving more into meditation because I was thinking, okay, I do believe something's at play here with spirituality and the universe. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is. I'm not going to try to explain it. I'm not going to say it's Jesus or Allah. I don't know. But something that play here that a lot of people are having success with, let me explore yeah. this. And as I did, I got results. I saw my life transforming. I didn't want to drink or use anymore. I was healing in a big way, although slow and painful at times. You know, I, I, you know, just these magic, beautiful connections happen. So, oh, yeah, and in like two years sober, I ran into my friend Tobin from uh, Papa Roach, and I hadn't played a show in a couple of years. And he's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. come sit in on some gigs with us." And so, next thing you know, I'm on Jimmy Kimmel show and doing a couple other. TV show uh shows so I was like wow this uh yeah. recovery is good like you get these little glimpses of hope like I just got a bigger gig than I ever had with head PE and I right. am sober now so because my brain said you know you can't do music and be sober and
0: yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you I ever had... have you ever played sober before
1: no I was no from the second I picked up a guitar I was stoned until I got sober so right. to go get so go get the biggest gig of my life because I was sober. I really, right. for me, I don't know how other people operate. I was like, well, this is a gift of sobriety, clearly. And I don't know if other people do that, but I was kind of keeping a tally of all these amazing things happening as I was getting sober. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them very subtle and nuanced and, and other stuff like that. Um So-
0: Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com.
1: I got really into meditation and... Oh, I actually relapsed and had to get sober. And so I stopped doing my program recovery. I got engaged and just stopped working on myself and just made her my life. And that
0: mm-hmm. didn't go well.
1: And I relapsed. So I knew, okay, I know what works. When I didn't do a program, I got loaded. When I did a program, life got good. So yep. I, I got back on the horse and kept doing it. And I just thought I'm going to go deeper and harder this time and, and try to hit another level with it. So then I got in this meditation. Uh, Wayne Dyer has a meditation. You can find it on YouTube. It's called the Awe Meditation for Manifestation. Okay. Because I wanted to get out of that job with my brother. That, right. thing, that thing was painful. Like I said, I felt like I was wasting who I was. I was, and then here's the thing. I think in life we got to balance cockiness with Knowing our truth, like I couldn't, like sometimes I wanted to go screw this job. I'm fucking out of here, you know. But yeah, (laughs) that would have been my ego. So I had to stay humble and just go. Okay, God, I know in my gut I'm not performing well here, even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I just I'm not. I'm not meant to be here. So I kept going to prayer meditation. I did the ah meditation, saying every day I was doing it every day, twenty minutes a day. Where you literally go ah, and you visualize what you're trying to attract, or you can ask for answers or serenity. You can try to manifest whatever you want.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And weird stuff happened. I every time I looked at the clock, it would be two, 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 three, 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 four, four, four. I never knew what that was. I was like, "This is weird." And then my friends were like, "That's because you're spiritually aligned." I'm like, "Well, I don't know what it is, but it's weird." (laughs) Now every time I look at the clock, it's this, you know, eleven, eleven, twelve, twelve. Then I started feeling like. My brother was going to fire me. I had this recurrent thought and I was like, why would he fire me? I'm not doing anything wrong. And then I kept having this, like, felt like a, like this obsessive thought that isn't there some rich guy that needs me to travel with him and keep him sober? I've traveled so much on tour and I'm sober now. And I was like, why do I keep thinking about such a weird thing like that? And I pray, okay, so then suddenly out of nowhere, my brother fires me, which is weird. I'm like, that is so weird. After working with him six years, he fires me out of nowhere. Okay. After I had been thinking about that. Then within two weeks, my friend calls me. I'm in Hong Kong. He's a very successful businessman. I need you to come help me stay sober. I'm like, that's weird. That's literally what I was just what? thinking What? And I had been meditating on. Um, I started meditating on. I needed a check for ten grand to start this business. I got a fluke check from head PE out of nowhere for ten grand. I'm like, holy fuck what? balls! This meditation for manifestation is some crazy shit. No, no joke. All holy these things are lining up so to me. I just took it as like something's working here. So then right. I said, I wanna I wanna get back into music. This is too painful watching these bands play. I feel like I yeah. wanna still perform music. It wasn't about the fame or anything, it was just in my in my soul, you know. Yeah. And uh and within ten days of doing the meditation, Korn texted me out of nowhere and I hadn't spoken to these guys in years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And a uh, Monkey said, Hey, you wanna come play guitar with us? So here I was, <laughs> you know, two and a half years sober the second time. Yeah. Within a few days of saying I want to get back into the music and I started meditating on it, I got a text out of nowhere. And uh
0: wow. took me a while.
1: yeah, and so you know, I don't know, I don't know other people's experience, but here's the thing yeah. my brain said life was gonna suck, sobriety's gonna suck, but at least I won't die a tweak or a junkie and uh right. so I tried it and all these magic things that people talked about started happening for me. You know, and then, and then the meditations and the manifestations started happening. I got the, my brain said I could never do music again sober. And I got the two first Papa Roach. And now this, the best gig of my life playing with Corn because Corn wanted a sober guitar player. The guy they had at the time was drinking really heavy and he, yeah. seen, he died.
0: Shane no. Gibson.
1: He, he drank himself to death. So, oh. so because I was sober, I got the biggest gig of my life. So, um, You know, I don't know. I just – all along the way. Oh, oh, and here's another great little thing for people out there. So when I was – the corn texted me to come play with them, but Monkey wanted me in, and Jonathan wasn't sure about getting rid of the guy they had because he was a phenomenal player. And, you know, they didn't know my state for sure. I could Uh suck or be great, whatever. So I had to chase them around the country, basically getting them used to seeing me and knowing I'm not some, some douchebag and I'm like a nice guy. I'm a good guy. Cause touring a lot of it is just how you feel being on a bus with the guy, you know? Yeah. I
0: mean? it's close most, quarters.
1: Yeah. Most <laughs> like that. So I was go, I was hanging out a lot, going to a lot of shows and they played in San Diego and and, uh, then I was thinking, ah, oh, I got to go to the next show. I wonder where it is. Well, anyhow, I had told my father, I got to make amends to you, dad, because I used to steal money from him to get, you know, booze and weed when I was younger. Mm-hmm. How do I make it up to you? He goes, just visit me, son. He's in El Turis, which is three hours north of Reno. So for me, okay. Southern California, I would fly to Reno. And then rent a car and drive three hours to sit with my pop who I love, but in like this little teeny house in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. Oh so God. of course I wasn't too excited about that. Of course I'd like to see my dad, but <laughs> yeah. put, but that's what I gotta do because I had to put my program and my recovery first and I said I want to make things right with you, Dad. What do I what do you want me to do? He goes, just come visit me, son, fine. And I took the last of my money, I was like going broke, and I said, This is what I gotta do because This is how recovery works. You put your recovery first. I'll spend the last of my money because the least I could do for our dad who has, you know, supported me all these years, best he could, through all my craziness. Mm -hmm. So But see, the whole time my brain was thinking, But I can't do that. I gotta get the corn gig. Dad can wait. You could see him anytime, but the corn gig is now you this is the biggest gig chance of your life. You know, we can't it's like, nope. I was taught recovery always comes first, and then God, the universe, whatever it is, will hook everything else up. That's what it's okay. I was taught. I witnessed it so many times in my life. We put spirituality and other people first. Not to codependent sense, but you know, right. we, you, don't, you don't want to make a commitment to your father, and you go, so, sorry, Dad, I'm out of here. I, I stuck by the rule I had been taught. Yeah, Recovery comes first, and that was my recovery, going to visit my dad. So, I had some trepidation, but I got on a plane to fly to Reno. And uh, when I got off the plane and I'm in the little airport there, there's a billboard, and guess who's playing in town that night?
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com A-S-G-G. No. No. Yeah.
1: Corn was playing in town that night. No
0: way. Yeah.
1: So I guess we chills Talent. This is the kind of magic shit that happens when we allow the universe in and we ask to be guided and we put like spirituality first, which is what I don't know really how to explain it other than constantly trying to cultivate the good energies in your life and learning how to not succumb to all the badness, the darkness, the negativity. You know, when I asked for guidance and I, and that was my conscious, my higher self was like, no, go see dad. And it was like the perfect thing. But you hear these stories all the time. Mine aren't the only ones, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They don't happen when you're drunk. They don't happen. No. You know what I mean? Not if you're an alcoholic. I mean, you can have some magic stuff happen at any time, but. Right. So I got to tour around them, uh, around the world with them for several years and uh, be totally sober and. Usually the, usually the question is like, well, wasn't that hard? No, because yeah. I didn't do what some people do. That Maybe they can do it. Maybe they can't. I don't know. But some people are like, hey, man, how are you going to not drink so much? Oh, I'm just not going to drink, man. I'm just going to stay away. I'm just not going to – okay, how are you going to not do heroin? You know what? I'm just not yeah. going to do it. Okay, great. I mean, <laughs> okay, hope that works for you. I had a program in recovery. Where yeah. I had a fellowship with other sober people who I could call and support. I went to meetings in other countries. I stayed in touch with my sponsor. I worked my daily routine that I did every day. I continued to pray and meditate every day and, and stay connected. And then I met other sober people on tour, you know, guys yeah. and fans I won't name respecting their anonymity, but we would have meetings and get together on tour and talk about our recovery because we knew it was important. Um, to stay, you know, connected in some way, and I knew mm-hmm. what happened in the past when I got disconnected, and uh, and I knew if I got loaded that my whole life would go to shit again. So it was the least I could do. And then the other part of it is too, is the meetings and the fellowship isn't just about keeping you sober; it's about growing, man. It's again, it's about yes, continually. The more I grow, the less stuff bugs me the less stuff affects me the more i evolve as a person so i started getting loaded at probably 14 and i didn't really stop until 35 or 38 i think was the second time i got sober
0: right so
1: i was an unevolved immature human like who had so much damage and and insecurities and little anxieties and stuff so you know, recovery isn't just about abstinence and the hanging out with a couple sober people. So you don't get loaded. It's about doing the work. So we grow yep. and evolve. And this is the part I think we don't talk about so much in recovery is we turn these versions of ourselves that the world and certainly ourself has never seen. So if I yeah. have been getting loaded from 14 and turning into kind of more and more of a shady kind of, you know, dark character, um, you know, more insecure, more unable to handle relationships in life.
0: When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skin care is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG, at Osiamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off.
1: The world had never seen what I could be. I had never seen what I could right. be after working on myself, doing deeper therapies and prayer and meditation and dealing with resentments and fears and doing the work. And what I found is the more I do, the more I evolve and you continue to like hit these next levels, next levels. You know, it's no different than like an athlete. You keep training hard, you get faster, you get stronger. It's the same thing with spiritual work. You get less and less affected by all that weird stuff that drives you crazy and more easily able to flow through life with love and just have everything just be okay. And that may sound like hippie tra-la-la that maybe somebody might be listening (laughs) and newer stuff. But to think about it, to be able to go into any social situation and not be scared, to be able to go on a date and be confident and truly be like, I don't need you to like me to be okay. I don't need to get laid to be okay. I can just meet you as a person. I don't need to have a new shirt to feel good about myself. I don't need to win this argument to feel good. I don't have to have this job to make me feel good. To just feel good and not yes. and stop attracting like the dark characters in life but you start attracting people who take you to the next level. I mean mm-hmm. it's so hard to put into words this place we get to, but that's why I call it the vortex of radness. Because so the corn gigs going away and I was going to be 40 something and out of work and a sober okay. Well that's a okay. fucking bummer. I'm losing the best gig <laughs> of my life and I'm going to be broke. So what do I do? So I went back to the stuff that had got me where I had gotten so far. And okay. what it was was go back and ask to be guided. All right, God, if clearly I'm supposed to be sober, or else I'd be dead and I truly feel I was made to be a musician because it's it's my passion. How can yeah. I be sober and be a musician? And the difference was instead of just go and be rich or something, I said, yeah. how can I be this person and help people and make a living. That's what I said. And uh, help people. How do I? How can I help people make a living? So for me, yeah. it was just starting with like this idea of taking music into treatment centers because I had been in a treatment center, okay. and the place I went had like you know draw a picture. Okay, cool. That's cool. Not knocking that yeah. at all. In yoga, great. I love yoga. But but if we all know music's so magical, it changes the way we feel. You know, and yeah. So emotional. How come there isn't more music in treatment centers? So, I just started bringing guitars and some instruments into local treatment centers. I pitched this job, this idea, for six or eight months before somebody gave me a chance. Um, I was scared. I almost ran. I yeah. wanted to quit because I was like, "This isn't going to work. This is going to be a shit show." But okay. I went in there and I just explained to the guys. I was like, "Let's. I'm going to bring music. We're going to write a song together." And from the minute I started it, it was. Freaking awesome and so that was wow. I formed the 12-12-12 but again this is going back and this is a thing I can't stress enough to people and funny the girl who gave me that book on chakras who's the medium recently we were talking I saw her recently and uh-huh. we're talking about this key thing that so many people miss it's just asking about being led and creating space mm. instead of trying to force our foot in everything we do I gotta have this job you know I gotta have this. I gotta have this is what I want. My will, but going, mm. going, God, where do you want me? What, do, how do you want to use me? What's up? Universe. What am I supposed to do? Show me getting silent, creating space. We get inspired and we start being led in every, we can, we can apply that concept to every area of our life. So this little idea to bring music into treatment and constantly have mm-hmm. to be led. I founded the Oregon 12, 12 of 12. So um, what, 12, 12 of 19 will be seven years. So we're six plus years. We now do 500 sessions a month. We work with over 100 people. I've hired 13 of my friends who, at first I was like, who would I hire to help me out? And I was like, wait, you know a bunch of sober musicians now. Right. So I've given careers to my friends. One of my guys has bought a house in LA. They're having, you know.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: So check it out. This is what the vortex of radness is. In the old days, it was what I need. I need this, man. I need this. Mom, can you give me some money or help me out here? Brother, you know, I need, I need, I need. The vortex of radness is me out there going, how do I help people? And it's not nothing wrong with asking, like, to make money because I got to survive to pay my bills to help more people. But when my motive right. is to help other people, and now I get messages like where I just got one today from one of my employees who's like, I, I haven't worked another gig as a solo musician because Rock and Recovery is so awesome for me and thanks for giving me a career. So he's giving Aww. thanks for his yeah. career to me that lights up my heart and then yeah. I'm giving it back to him and other people. And Then meanwhile, he is carrying that light to other people, helping them with music that are reflecting back to them. So the vortex of yeah. radness is the shared loop of energy that spins between us instead of like taking where we take and then we keep depleting, you know, other people we're sharing and it turns into a greater, it's like an alchemy, right? It's a synergy. The sum of the, the sum is greater than the, whatever of the parts. However you say that, do you know how to say that? No. Mm.
0: It sounds like it would be a good one, but I don't know. Me neither. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll look it up later. So then, (laughs) But I, have, I know where yeah. you're going with it and it's just beautiful
1: that's beautiful so, so then yeah so then we get a contract with the Department of Defense they fly us around the world now working with wounded veterans and you know these are veterans who man you think it's tough being an alky or a junkie trying to get sober these are people who've right. had their legs blown off their friends blown to pieces in front of them they lost their careers They're, they can't have PTSD their brains are so you know, it's gnarly Jesus. and then we get to go help them and they literally like, I've had people say, you know, I was going to kill myself until Rock to recovery came in here and put a song back in my heart. And you're like, what? And you realize that's really mm. what life's about. That becomes the new high. So yeah. we wanted, we wanted, I wanted to create an event to fund our nonprofit and do deeper work. Go farther. Okay. And uh, so I started, so I, I created an event where we would honor, Sober people who are famous, uh, and maybe they're actors, but usually they're rock stars. Um, have mm-hmm. we come up and tell their story because if somebody can hear, like, wait a second, Mike Ness, the singer of Social Distortion, said Social Distortion, one of the coolest, you know, punk rock and roll bands ever, what would have even happened if he didn't get sober. Like, it's a powerful message. It shows you Whoa. that you can be cool and play music and be sober and you don't have to hide out. So we started doing these. Sober events, and we've honored Mike Ness, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Stone Sour, uh, Wayne Kramer from MC5, who was like doing political rock way back in the late '60s. We had uh, who else did we have? We had Katie Seagal. We've honored yeah. Moby. We've honored Tommy Vex from Bad Wolves, who is like the hugest uh, songs in the land right now. Um, we honored John Feldman from Goldfinger. And we have these totally sober events where rock stars and Zita Voss, my friend who's a guest model, she comes out. So like mm-hmm. this small little version of life that I thought I was going to have with recovery when my, quote, logical brain seemed to know how it was going to play <laughs> out it was so far from the truth. What we find is there's no limit to our potential and the life we can create in recovery. And so we just did our first event in Austin. So we honored Bob Schneider, who's musical genius. That guy's so awesome. And Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's. And we had a sober event in Austin and we had one in LA. And so, you know, people in recovery come out and see how friggin' cool recovery can be and how, wow, you could go to a concert and be sober. Fuck yeah, you can.
0: Oh yeah, you can.
1: Yeah. If I can tour the world and play with corn and do all these festivals and have a great life, anybody can.
0: Yeah. Ugh, I love that. I relate to you so, so much because I was a club DJ for 10 years. Oh, and wow. I thought there was no freaking way I could stand up there, you know, behind the decks and play and party and make like I was having a good time. You're on state. Like you're, I just didn't think I could do it. I really didn't think I could do it. And then turns out I sucked when I was drunk. I really right. sucked. Right. I was the worst DJ when I was drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was doing actually everyone a favor by not drinking. So that's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I played no. great when I was drunk. And it was just a slap. Oh, swap Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah, when we we rely on this stuff, we think it's getting us by. But I like the analogy I like to use is like it's like patching a an old tire. Like you get a hole in it and you patch it. You get a hole in a patch. It. It's like you know I'm afraid to go on stage. Sober. So instead of learning how to overcome that fear, I'm just going to drink every time. Drink every time. Drink yeah. every time. Drink every time. And you just get more and more worn out, and that tire gets more and more worn out, and it's not a solution. The solution is to get the new tire, right? To new, find a new yes. way to do to do life.
0: Yes. Yeah. I've exactly. Yeah. I remember being up there, and I took two hits of E, and I had no idea why I was there. <laughs> um, whoops
1: yeah wow yeah, i wish just, i could see a video of that
0: just dry humping against the ta- the turntables no big deal
1: <laughs> oh my god that sounds yeah, like yeah, yeah. a lot of dry just, humping back in my day <laughs> yeah. but you know now wow. we can
0: laugh a bit about it because we've healed through it you know we've worked through it yeah yeah that is so cool wes where can we find you on instagram <sighs> I'm internet. all over. I'm
1: Wes Gear. W E S. Wes, like Wesley. Wes Gear. G E E R. G E E R. You can find me on Twitter, Wes Gear. On Instagram, Wes Gear. On Facebook, I'm Wesley Gear, but I don't really do Facebook much anymore. But, uh, okay. I'm even on that new TikTok thing. Not that I know really uh-huh. how to use it. But I'm over there, too. And, uh, you know, Rock to Recovery. Anybody listening? Um, should go give us a follow. We do, we do have a nonprofit and, uh, um, you know, we do all sorts of work in the community with events and helping people and just, we try to make a nice, uh, silver coalition for people in recovery. It's a, you know, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, yeah. So, That's
0: so we, amazing. Out there. we out there. Yeah. I have one more question for you. Yeah. For anyone out here listening today who is either thinking about getting sober or having trouble in their sobriety, what piece of information would you give them?
1: Well, if you're thinking about you know, getting sober, like I said earlier, if you've been thinking about maybe if you have a problem, then you probably do. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say that you're an alcoholic, but here's the thing. There's really two things. You're either going to be able to quit and, and, or adjust your life on your own. Or you're Mm -hmm. not. So if you come to the point where you can't do it on your own, which is where I was, because I tried and tried and tried, why do it alone when you have thousands and thousands of people in meetings all over the world that would love to help you and share the experience of going through exactly what you've been through? Everybody's been through the same shit. You're, you know, anybody listening, you're no different. Everybody has the same traumas or has the same stuff with their family. You're not alone. Mm. and I think when we think we're alone and we're so unique, that's really, they call it terminal uniqueness. That's the thing that kills Mm. us. So, and if you're struggling out there in recovery, you know what happens when you pick up the drink. But if you can make it through to the next moment, you know, there's always a brighter day on the other side. Just don't pick up today. And I think, I think really, they say, you know, pain is a touchstone of spiritual growth if you're not liking how you feel, then do something about it. I feel I find so many people who are like, oh, I'm sober but I'm miserable. Well, what the fuck are you doing? Are you just sitting yeah. around being sober and miserable? Do something. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're not gonna do like a twelve step program, which I love and got so much out of, then there's, you know, other things to do. There's there's gym and health and hobbies and you know, or I don't know if people need therapists or a lot of people need to get down to dealing with their traumas. But sitting yeah. there feeling sorry for yourself, they have a they have a saying. They say, "Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink." Right? So we got to be we got to take action in our recovery. And yeah. on the other side of those emotional dark moments is a lot of healing.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you got to go through. You can't just let it go. You can't just avoid it. You have to go through it. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. That's right.
0: Well, Wes, thank you so, so much for chatting with me and sharing your experiences and your knowledge. You're amazing. And I can't okay. wait to, I mean, when is your next event? Not not till next year, right?
1: Probably not till next year. We might, th- we're talking about throwing a spring event, might be something. We have a band called Sacred Sons and we have okay. rock stars play with us. It's kind of like a little, I don't like the word all-star, but it's like a little sober all-star band with me and some other guys. And, uh, we might do a little fundraiser coming up in the spring. Um, we also, cool. you know, we do something called the Soul Song Workshop,
0: uh, where we've taken
1: our unique brand of music therapy, which, by yeah. the way, is for non-musicians. It's a program so non-musicians can access the healing powers of music. That's all it is. So it's okay. you know we we do this thing called Soul Song Workshop. We did it. Last year in Costa Rica, there's another one coming up in Costa Rica and one in Bali where we couple it with things that you know, like yoga and meditation, but okay. also with something called core energetics, which helps people who don't know that they have trap messages and blocks, emotional and creative mm. blocks in them. We help crack those open. Everybody that took the, went through the Soul Song Workshop last year had breakthroughs and hit new levels of existence. So we do that and we use the music also to kind of wrap it up cuz when you crack people open emotionally, you want to also put it back together and the music is a healing modality there.
0: Absolutely. So, Where can all, I find info can, to that?
1: You can you can find that on rock to, uh well rock to recovery our website is great. It's okay. rock and then to recovery. Um, we have our workshops on there, and all sorts of information about our company. We're do- really doing a bunch of stuff out there, but you can always DM me on Instagram and stuff like that too.
0: Amazing! I think my little brother would love that. He's he's a really amazing musician. Um, he's blind, and he was actually on my podcast. He was Bobby the Blind Drug Dealer.
1: <laughs> Whoa! That
0: was yeah, that was his episode. Um, but this kid is just beyond talented. Like whoa. Like So whoa, I huh? think I think it would be really interesting for him to take some of your programs. I think that would really benefit him for sure. To see other um, guys do the, love doing doing the do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I've known some really talented people uh, you know, with disabilities or what I don't even know what the right word to call it anymore, but maybe they don't mm-hmm. have sight or they don't have uh, you know hearing or whatever. And then then yeah. they just get all the more talented in other ways. It's just a beautiful thing to see the power of yeah. the human, you know, power of the human.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's mm-hmm. amazing what he's done. Truly really amazing. And I'm not just saying that because he's my brother.
1: <laughs> no, I can't. Really
0: <laughs> all right, Russ. Well, thank you so so much. I really appreciate it for stopping by.
1: Thanks for having me and thanks for all you do, um, you know, giving a forum to people like this and to everybody out there. Thanks for listening.
0: How amazing is Wes? I love him. I love what he's about. I love Rock to Recovery, the programs. It's awesome. So amazing. You know, music is energy, energy is healing. How great would it feel to heal through music? Check out rocktorecovery.com and get some healing on. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Please rate, subscribe, and leave some feedback. We love to know what you think about the podcast. Don't forget to check out the blog, SoberGirlsGuide.com. We have tons of great stuff up there for you. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.